And that's a beautiful segue into my marriage and family series. Do you remember the title of my marriage and family series? Putting the wow in your vows. Putting the wow in your vows. As Pastor Ben takes the junior hires to the middle school service. Pastor Ben, make sure that you get a recording of this service this morning. Amen. Putting the wows back in your vows. A couple, a couple was arguing over the number one arguing problem in any marriage and any home. What is the number one thing couples fight over? You got it. They were arguing about finances, and the discussion was getting intense. It was moving beyond intense fellowship into quarreling, strife, and fighting. Finally, the husband exploded. If it weren't for my money, that car wouldn't be there. Those clothes you wear wouldn't be there. If it weren't for my money, the house wouldn't be here. The wife looked him in the eye and said, Dearie, if it weren't for your money, I wouldn't be here. <laughs> it's a known fact. It's a known fact that financial security can mean the difference between a happy home and an unhappy home. According to a national survey, financial problems are the cause of 9 out of 10 divorces. It's been cited that money, money, is the source of 89% of all family discord, despair, depression, and stress. Jesus talked about the stress that money worries can bring into a life, can bring into a marriage, can bring into a home. In reverence to God's Word, take your Bibles with me. Turn to Matthew chapter 6 this morning. Stand for the reading of God's Word this morning. Matthew 6 verse 31 Read with me, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus, the prophets, the apostles, God wants us to know that he has a stress-free financial plan for your home and life. It's called his blessing plan, his prosperity plan. Throughout this message this morning, I want you to ask yourself this question. Am I following God's prosperity plan, his stress-free plan for my home, or am I pursuing the devil's poverty plan for my life, my marriage, my situation? This morning I'm going to reveal... God's prosperity plan through delineating seven, seven Bible-based principles. You can reject them or receive them. You can ignore them or act upon them. Your life, your marriage, your home can choose to be stressed or blessed. It's your choice. Father, in the name of Jesus, grant us ears to hear a thus saith the Lord this morning. Grant us hearts to receive through your Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, we pray it. And everyone would say, Amen. You may be seated. Money. Money. We've been talking about marriage, and so we've got to talk about money. Would you agree with me? Money is an exciting topic. If you don't believe money is an exciting topic, let your fingers do the walking on your pew and try to get into that person's purse or wallet that's sitting next to you right now and watch what happens. 
Write it down with me. Enjoying God's blessing plan starts with defeating poverty mindsets and re realizing it's God's will. It's God's will to prosper us. As a preacher and a pastor, I often confront two poverty mindsets. The first poverty mindset is this. Oh, I wish Pastor Phil wouldn't preach about money. I wish he would preach the gospel. Listen, it's impossible to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's impossible to teach the word of God and not talk about money. Jesus gave us 38 parables, 38 living lessons. 16 out of the 38 parables deal with money management. Check me out. More is said in the New Testament about money and materialism than what is said about heaven and hell combined. Over 2,000 verses are in this book dealing with money and possessions. Why preach about money? Because I'm called to preach the Word of God. Not just a slice, not just a dice that suits your fancy. I'm called to preach the whole loaf. And I'm not accountable to you. I'm accountable to God. And I'll stand before Him one day. Did you preach 100% my Word? Listen, this book is the greatest financial manual that has ever been written. You follow it, and I can guarantee success. The second poverty mindset I want to confront this morning is this. There are those sitting here this morning who have inherited not only a poverty mentality, but there are there, those here this morning, you've inherited a lousy theology. It goes like this. Jesus was poor. I am poor. Therefore, I am spiritual. That's absolutely wrong. Jesus was not poor. Jesus, the Bible said, had a house in Capernaum. Jesus, at the foot of the cross, had a seamless robe that was so valuable, the soldiers gambled over it. The Bible says that Jesus and his disciples had so much money in their ministry that it was contained in a box, and Jesus had to have a treasurer follow him and be accountable to him with that box of money, and that treasurer's name was Judas. If prosperity is a negative thing, then why does God give wealth and riches to his son throughout all eternity? What are you talking about, Pastor? Revelation 5.12, worthy is the lamb who was slain. Now, I want you to note seven blessings that God gives his son throughout eternity. Look at the seven blessings. To receive power, wealth, wisdom, strength, Honor, glory, praise. If money, if wealth, riches is a negative thing, why would God the Father give that to his son throughout all eternity? But pastor, I feel guilty about having nice things. I feel guilty about the abundance, the prosperity that I have, the money that I have to spend. Jesus didn't. Jesus doesn't care about how much money you have. Jesus doesn't care about how many things you have, as long as those things do not own you. There's the difference. So I come with good news today. Would you like to hear good news? God desires to bless you. His desire to bless you is greater than your desire to receive those blessings. God takes pleasure in prospering his children. 
Don't tr believe my word or take my word for it only. Take the word of the Lord. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. Psalms 35. Let the Lord be magnified, which hath pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Proverbs 8. That I may cause those who love me to inherit wealth, that I may fill their treasuries. Proverbs 10.22. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. Jesus said in Matthew 7, if you then though you are evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him Romans 8 he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all how will he not also along with giving us his best Jesus graciously give us what all things 3 John 2, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. God's desire to prosper us is not only motivated by love, it's motivated by practicality. Pastors couldn't pastor. Missionaries couldn't be sent. Churches could not be built without God's financial prosperity among His people. I invite you this morning, join the stress-free lifestyle of God's prosperity plan. Realize that God wants to bless you. Secondly, this morning, God's prosperity plan is realized by obeying His guidelines on wise money management. Do a little financial historical review. In the 70s in America, in the 70s, personal bankruptcies, personal bankruptcies never exceeded 100,000 people back in the 70s. Our latest documented research indicates that in 2015, more than 800,000 personal bankruptcies in the United States of America. The reason? Poor money management. The poorest money management is not the result of lacking the right self-help book or financial planning software or a financial planner that you pay for and go to. The poorest form of money management is an ownership mentality. An ownership mentality says that money that I make from my job is mine. That money in the bank is mine. My investments are mine. All that I have, all that I will earn is mine. No, it's not. You came into this world with nothing. You will leave this world with nothing. With a flick of his fingers, you could be brain injured and lose your skills, your mentality. With a snap of God's fingers, you could lose your health. All that you have, all that you are, all that you will be comes from God. Every good gift, the Bible says, comes from above. Your education, your job, your skills, your abilities, your opportunities, it all comes from above. You own nothing. We own nothing. Even the very air that we breathe comes from God. Wise is the man, wise is the woman that keenly is aware that we are not owners, we are managers. The Bible word is steward. God has given every single one of us a certain amount of money, material things. He's given us a certain amount of health. He's given us a certain amount of opportunity. And I could go on and on. One day, it will be judgment day or auditing day. And you will give a report of what you did with the things that God gave you. 
Your checkbook will reveal your heart, your priorities. Again, we own nothing. He owns everything. In the book of Haggai, God says, The gold is mine. The silver is mine. All of the earth is mine, saith the Lord. He owns the cattle on a thousand hill. He owns it all. You can be a zillionaire here this morning. But if you think you own what you got, you're operating by the devil's poverty plan. You're in a poverty lifestyle, and you will enjoy no satisfaction whatsoever. The Bible reveals four very practical, very practical money management uh, principles. I want to give you very quickly here. Number one, First, maintain careful financial records. Have, be, have a keen awareness of your assets and your liabilities. Do monthly status reports. Understand how much you have for entire retirement. Be able to know the status of your investments, your checking account, your savings account, and I could go on and on. Keeping careful records, whether it's on the computer or good old-fashioned paper and a shoebox full of receipts. Maintain financial records. Number two, determine to live by a budget. Let's throw that budget up on the screen. I just threw together something very quick here. Out of your gross pay, out of your gross pay, immediately two things are going to happen. Two things are going to happen. Out of your gross pay, the government is going to immediately take their share. That's why it's blank there. It's different for different people. And then out of your gross pay, I want you, according to God's word, the first 10% belongs to who? No, I want you to pay yourself. Note that. I'll explain later on that. Then the net pay that's left over, you're going to have savings, insurance, auto, housing, food, miscellaneous. These are the lion's shares. Uh, the percentages are just guidelines. Create a budget determined to live by your budget. If you need to take that, that money for food and miscellaneous and, again, put it in an envelope or a shoebox and turn it into cash, and when that cash is gone, you stop spending. Determined to live by a budget. Master your money. Number three, begin saving and investing for retirement as soon as possible. But, but, Pastor, we're newly married. Uh, we're just in our early 20s. Start now! And all the seniors would say, yeah. Number four, financial freedom is being immune to impulse spending. Just because you see it, just because it looks good, just because it smells good, just because you feel good about it, doesn't mean you need to buy now and pay later. A wife, a wife was having a phobia about something under her bed. She couldn't sleep at night because she felt something was under her bed. She, she had this, this terrible, terrible, terrible fear that something was living under her bed. She went to a, a psychologist. The doctor said, I can cure that. It will take 20 sessions at $150 a session. And I can guarantee you I will cure you of your phobia that there's a monster under your bed. Well, she said she was coming back, but didn't come back. So she, the doctor called her and said, why haven't you uh, started your sessions with me? She said, I'm cured. He said, who cured you? My husband. Oh, how in the world did he cure you? How could your husband cure you? As soon as he heard what I was going to have to pay you, 20 sessions, $150 of sessions. He got his saw out. He got his carpenter saw out and cut the, the legs off my bed. <laughs> By the way, and I don't have time to go into it tonight, the differences between men and women, 
according to research, research indicates who is the number one spender in a marriage, the man or the woman? You're wrong, it's the man. I was shocked too. Studies, statistics indicate that women are more conservative about spending than men because women enjoy financial security in the home and, and it's the, the women, the women that uh, tighten the economic belt better than men. I guess it's men and their grown-up toys. First John 2.16, for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. Just because a, a, a couple that looks like they're Mr. and Miss uh, America appears on a TV commercial and, and, and they have uh, bought a blender and they say, buying this blender has changed our lives. We're happy now. Doesn't mean you have to buy that blender. That's called the lust of the eyes. Bible says lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. It's coveting, and it'll put you into debt. That's why I go to the next point. God's stress-free blessing plan is a debt-free plan. Do all that you can by paying cash. Can I hear a witness? In today's world, though, however, a certain amount of debt is unavoidable. Let me repeat this, underscore this, outline this, and highlight this. Debt is not a sin. But it can be dangerous if it's abused. Your church, Lakeside Assembly of God, the membership has approved a $3 million mortgage on our brand new expansion of ministry and outreach, phase four, here at the church. Our track record, I am just so blessed to have such wise men throughout the years that surround your pastor and this church, financial guardians. Look at our track record. Former deacons, present deacons can bear this witness. We have always pre Paid our debt, prepaid our mortgages. Many times we've cut them in half or at least three quarters and paid them sooner than later. This has been our strategy. This is the word of the Lord. You'll never find in the Bible that debt is a sin. Every marriage and every home, every life, though, should have a goal to be debt-free. The poverty mindset is a debt abuse mentality. It's a buy now, pay later mentality. Proverbs 22 verse 7, though, says, The bower is servant to who? The lender. Oh, you can't imagine what it's like to go through closing when you're borrowing $3 million as a church. Do you know the teeth, the hoops, the hurdles? We spent since May going through all the hurdles, the documentation, the requirements, just with one lender. Yes. Debt bondage then, if you're in debt enslavement, and it's undue debt, it's not manageable debt, and you've borrowed more than you can repay. And if you move into what I call payment procrastination, and you are late, late, late on your payments, or you neglect or ignore repaying your loan, I'm here to tell you as your pastor, you are a lousy witness to the world as a Christian. You're a lousy testimony of being a member of this church. I'm here to tell you that payment procrastination is sinful. It is a sin. This is not my word. It is the word of the Lord. Psalms 37, the wicked, the wicked, the wicked borrow and do not repay. By the way, the average American is living on what percent of their income? 
Research indicates that the average American is living in 110% of their income. And then we wonder why there's so many divorces, so many marital problems. How do they live on 110% of their income? By abusing credit cards. Easy credit isn't as addictive as drug addiction. It's all because we're a thing society. We buy things to wear. We buy things for the house, things for the garage, things for the car, things for our grown-up toys, and things to keep up with the Joneses who live next door. Yet when we die, the, the, the only things in the boxes when we die are our bodies. Debt. Undue debt. Debt bondage can keep you from providing for your loved ones. Read what Paul says to Timothy. If anyone does not provide for his own, his loved ones, especially for those of his household, he has what? Denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Debt can lead to wife and child abuse. Christian, if you're abusing credit card, uh, credit cards, it's time for you to perform plastic surgery and cut those cards up in the name of Jesus and get out of debt. Number four, God's blessing plan includes managing yourself. God's blessing plan, his prosperity plan, goes way beyond money. It's all inclusive. Proverbs 13, 4, the soul of a lazy man desires and has what? Nothing. But the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. Putting that verse in our own vernacular, putting that verse in our own paraphrase language, here's Pastor Phil's paraphrase of Proverbs 13, verse 4. What's God saying here? Go to work! Stop sitting on your duff. Get up in the morning. Go to work. It's God's way. Almost half of the American population of working age, almost half, you can go ahead and Google me and check me out, almost half of Americans of working age do not work but are living on government entitlements. That means the other half of us who are working are paying for them to sit at home. Now there are some with definite physical deficiencies, mental deficiencies, and I'm proud as a Christian and as American to be able to provide for them. But for those adults who can work and won't work, God's curse is upon them. And Christian, don't go there. I can't tell you how many times in my pastoral office I have sat down with well-able-bodied men who can work but won't work. I had one not long ago look me in the eye and confess his heroin addiction, but because of his drug addiction, he was given, getting government entitlements to live at home because of his drug addiction. This is not being a Christian. This is not being a Christian. This is not the word of the Lord. This is abrogating the money management guidelines of the Bible. Yes, Jesus said, don't worry. Look at the birds of the air. Uh, my Father feeds them. But listen, God doesn't jam worms down the throats of birds. Those birds have to work for those worms. Fight poverty the American way. Get a job. 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 I can't find a job. I can't, I, 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 I'm, I'm being patient and waiting for a, a management position. Go flip hamburgers. Burger King up the road here, I mean, they don't have enough help. 
I will not, I will not, I will not send my family members out to work and I'm sitting at home living and waiting for some crazy dream to, to take place. I always said that, uh, and by the way, this is not one of my points, but women, wives should not have to work. They can't, the Bible does not condemn women who work outside the home, but it's their choice. Man, husband, father, you're called by God to be the provider. And I always said, if I have to work two jobs, three jobs, I will do it. I will do it. Because he who does not provide for his own is worse than an infidel, worse than an unbeliever. God's curse is upon them. But if work is a biblical command, so is rest. Jesus said in Matthew 20, Jesus took the 12 disciples uh, apart. Say that word, apart, with me. Apart in the way. That means he went on a retreat with them. They got away from the crowds. The truth is they went apart before they fell apart. By the way, I'm going to really step on some toes right now. But you know me. By the way, whatever happened to Sunday being a day of rest? Whatever happened to Sunday being the Lord's day? Whatever happened to thou shalt not work on Sunday? Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, saith the Lord. I know, I know emergencies take place, but on the other hand, God has consistently given us six whole days to do what we want to do with them. But he says, one out of the seven is mine. Honor it. Keep it holy. Psychologists have, have, have uh, recorded and researched this, that if we don't have a day of rest out of seven, that our bodies, our emotions, our families will pay for it. True prosperity then means being healthy physically fit. It's more than money. God's prosperity plan includes your body. You know, I was brought up in Pentecostal holiness. We used to call it clothesline preaching. We'd usually, the preachers would beat up on the women, you know, sleeveless blouses, makeup, jewelry. You know, I grew up in that kind of a church. You need to understand that. And one of the favorite verses my dad would preach, looming over the pulpit, would be, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Do you not know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And so then my dad, would, my dad would preach. We don't smoke. We don't drink. We don't chew. Or sniff glue. We don't run around with gals that do. But in those days, I think I got a preacher in the back here. Sorry, there's just one preacher here this morning. It was funny, in old Pentecost, in old Pentecost, we'd preach about smoking and drinking, but we wouldn't preach about waistlines. We didn't smoke or drink, but man, we loved our banquets. <laughs> we loved dinner on the grounds. <laughs> Part of God's prosperity plan is remembering and recognizing that even your body is not your own. You've been purchased with the shed blood of Jesus Christ. This body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. That means take care of it. Take care of it. Remain physically fit. Do those things that will ensure your health. Please take, be a good steward of your body. It's your future. Be there to enjoy it. You'll never recognize the value of your health until you lose it. You see, the difference between living a life of prosperity and a life of poverty is not by chance. You don't live a life of prosperity by chance. It's choice. I said it's choice. 
God said to the people of Israel in Deuteronomy, God said, I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. There it is. The most important prosperity principle is this. Live to give. Live to give. If I was to choose any point that I'm preaching here this morning, if I was to choose any principle to give you financial success, prosperity in your health, in your wealth, the health of of your marriage, the health of your family, it's this one. Giving is God's pathway to prosperity. I, I preach this and teach this in premarital counseling. It's the most pivotal concept within God's Word for divine prosperity, divine blessing that we miss time and time again. John D. Rockefeller was not a Christian, yet Rockefeller tithed even when he was a teenage kid. He did it because it worked. Even though he was not a believer and became wealthy beyond imagination because of it. Giving. Giving. A little boy, a little boy, a little boy uh, was praying to God for a hundred dollars. He prayed for two weeks and nothing happened. So he thought, I'm going to send a letter to the Lord. I, 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 I need a hundred dollars. I want a hundred dollars. And so he, he labeled the envelope, uh, Lord USA. Well, the postal authorities didn't know what to do with the letter, so they sent it to the White House. The, the president uh, was so touched by the letter that he sent $5 back to the little boy, knowing that $5 would be a big deal to a, to a little kid. And uh, he, he's, he, re, he sent uh, uh, it to the boy. The boy, thinking it was from God, wrote a thank you note. Dear Lord, thank you very much for sending me the money. However, I noticed that for some reason, as he looked at the return address, I noticed that for some reason you had to send it through Washington, D.C., and as usual, those jerks deducted $95. Aren't you glad that we live by God's economy? Aren't you glad we're citizens of another kingdom? In God's economy, so many things are upside down. He who wants to be the greatest among you must serve. He who wants to be blessed must give. Live to give. We're blessed to be a blessing. The reason many Christians never enjoy real prosperity is because they never truly learn to invest in themselves. Remember when I put that budget up on the screen? Remember when I asked you, where does the first 10% of the gross go to, your gross income? And I wrote up there, pay yourself. That's exactly what Jesus says. You don't believe me. Matthew chapter 6, verse 20. Jesus said, but store up for yourselves. There it is. Treasures where? In heaven. Where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal, where Washington doesn't exact a 35% tax rate. Are you investing in the kingdom? If you are investing in the kingdom, you are really paying yourself. If you're investing in God's house, if you're tithing, if you're giving, you really are paying yourself. You're paying yourself both in the here and now and throughout all eternity. Jesus taught us to wisely invest in things that are permanent, not temporary. Everything in this world is going to burn up. Why do you keep investing in things that are temporary and are going to burn up? The truly prosperous obey God's word on tithes and offerings. The Bible says in Malachi 3, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. You say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and 
offerings. Let me stop here. I've said it over and over again. Pastor Hal is the overseeing pastor of our ushers. And I keep reminding Pastor Hal, and I remind James Turner, our head usher, I do not want an usher to serve you and to receive your tithes and offerings who is not a tither and a giver in offerings. Why? Because I cannot trust him. God calls him a robber. God's got him on his wanted poster. Why should we have him carrying hundreds and thousands of dollars to the safe? Duh. I will not allow, hear me pastors, hear me directors, those who collect money, ushers, uh, or therefore others who collect money through ministries, make sure that they are tithers, make sure that they are givers. Uh, will a man rob God? Well, in tithes and offerings you've robbed me, saith the Lord. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes. Where? Where? Where's the storehouse? Here. Your local church. That there may be food in my house. By the way, some TV ministry is not your local storehouse. Oh, I hear some of you talk, oh, I give to this minute, I give to... Okay, next time you're sick in the hospital, I want that TV evangelist to come and minister to you in the hospital. First place is here. And then you can send offerings out. Well, Pastor, I, I, I heard Cheryl Crow's song. And I, for, for, for five minutes, I watched that infomercial on TV. And those poor dogs and cats... Those poor dogs and cats. And Cheryl Crow is singing that sad song. And, and so, Pastor, uh, uh, I've adopted a cat. And, and I'm, sending, I'm sending $20 a month to that organization. Google that organization. I did. How much of every dollar goes to the dog and the cat? You got it. You hit it right on the head. You did it too. Ten cents of every dollar. Ten cents. of. I'm proud of our church. Every year we give you uh, counting down to the very penny. And we have an independent auditor. There's wide stewardship in your church. Give to things that are permanent. And try me in this. Test me, God says. Test me. It's the only place in the Bible where God says, test me. See if I'll not open the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing. There'll not be room enough to receive it. Giving is God's financial plan for freedom and prosperity and abundance in our lives. Tithing is more than the giving of 10%. It's the receiving of 90%. Remember, it's not your money in the first place. Now, mathematically, for you left-brained men out there, for you number crunchers out there that are left-brained, for you mathematicians out there, mathematically, I don't understand how giving 10% results in more and not less. But I don't understand how a black cow eats green grass and gives white milk and yellow butter. But I still drink the milk and I still eat the butter. Jesus said in Luke 6, give and it'll be given unto you. Pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. God always repays the investment into his kingdom. Is, is it giving to get? No, I don't give to get, but I've never, I've never gotten without giving. Pastor got up before his congregation and said, I've got good news and I've got bad news. You know the church building program? We've got all the money that we need for the church building program. That's the good news. The bad news is that money's still in your pockets. <laughs> that money's still in your pockets. Yeah. You see, God doesn't have any trouble getting money to us. It's getting money through us. The prosperity that God places in our hands is to be used to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ because souls without Jesus will spend an eternity in hell. Winning the lost is God's number one priority. If you'll invest in winning the lost, God will give you an abundance you cannot contain. Hallelujah. 
Amen. For my God is able to do that which is exceedingly and abundantly, more than you can imagine, ask or think. Live blessed instead of stressed by recognizing that God's prosperity plan, being rich in God, is priceless. J. Paul Getty. Many of you remember J. Paul Getty, the oil billionaire. In 1981, his estate was worth more than $4 billion. But he wrote this in his autobiography. Read it with me. I have never been given to envy, save for the envy I feel toward those people who have the ability to make a marriage work and endure happily. It's an art I've never been able to master. My record? Five marriages. Five divorces. In short, Five failures. You see, some are desperately poor, and they don't even know it. There are some here this morning, you have driven to this parking lot with a shiny brand new car. It's over $40,000. Its MSRP is over $75,000. If you've got an SUV out there, top of the line. Some of you here this morning are poor and you don't even know it. How can I say that? I didn't. Jesus did. Revelation 3. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I've acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see so you can see Jesus here is especially speaking to who Christians they saw themselves as prosperous Jesus saw them as poor and he's disappointed he's so disappointed he could spit why is he so caustic because of verse 17, you say, I do not need a thing. Remember, God's not against being rich, but he is against a self-sufficient spirit that's lost its dependency and passion for God. Notice how our Lord answers their desperate need. Now this is key to your understanding this morning. In verse 18, Jesus says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become what? Rich. There it is. Rich. Do you realize how rich you are? A poor, poor, poor Russian mother in Moscow Russia was being interviewed by the local media, the newspaper, and uh, she was describing her abject poverty. The newspaper reporter said, but ma'am, uh, didn't your son migrate to the United States? Didn't I hear that he has a very successful position making all kinds of, uh, of money in the United States? Why isn't your son helping you out? What is he sending you? And the woman said, the Russian mother said, well, he's been sending me all kinds of letters, and in every envelope there's pictures of, uh, they must be his friends, but they're all old men. Uh, and he says, what are you talking about? And she brought him into her bedroom. The walls of her bedroom were lined with all the pieces of paper with the pictures of the old men that she thought were friends of her son. He looked, the newspaper reporter, and said, ma'am, do you understand? Those are all $100, $500, $1,000 bills. That's money. She was rich beyond imagination in Moscow, Russia, and didn't even know it. And I'm speaking to, I'm communicating, I'm preaching to homes, to lives, to marriages and people here this morning. You're rich and you don't even know it. Are you born again? 
Are you blood washed through the streaming blood of the cross of Calvary? You're rich. <laughs> Salvation is priceless. Paul the Apostle said, you are not your own. You have been bought at a precious, infinite price. The price, the blood of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. There are those who brag about being related to monarchs, to kings, and to queens, to be of noble blood, but only the Christian can say, I'm a child of God. I'm an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I'm seated in heavenly places with him. I will rule and reign with him. The royal blood of heaven flows through my veins. I'm a blood-bought, blood-washed, born-again, Bible-believing, demon-fighting, soldier of the cross. Hallelujah. I'm not only a king's kid. I'm priceless. 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 Real prosperity is knowing that our source of blessing is not the government, not the stock market, not Detroit's big three. Psalms 37 declares, I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. Listen, businesses fail. Stock markets crash. Governments collapse. But the creator of the world and all that is, he never fails. His supplies never run out. His bank uh, is all always open. Our God is an awesome God. He's priceless. He's priceless. God's prosperity, divine prosperity goes way beyond material wealth. Money can buy you a palace, but not a home filled with love and respect. Money can buy the best doctors in sickness, but it can't give you one day of divine health. Money can buy you a solid gold bed, but not one second of real peace. Money can buy you a diamond-studded gold crucifix hanging around your neck, but not a savior in your heart. Uh, God's prosperity plan means divine wealth. Health, uh, divine health, a happy home, a life of joy, a life of peace, a life of salvation, heaven, home where you belong, and most of all, Jesus, the lover of your soul, and he's priceless. You can't put a price tag on God's pr prosperity. Jesus said, not, let not, let not, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I would have told you. God's retirement plan is not term life insurance. It's not whole life. It's not universal life. It's eternal life. God's retirement plan doesn't include cottages or condos, but a mansion just over the hilltop. God's retirement plan is a no-worry plan. It doesn't worry about the future. It doesn't worry about pensions, annuities, or Social Security going bust. Uh, hallelujah. His retirement plan, his no-worry plan, it's priceless. A new car will cost you about $40,000. A college education today can cost you, believe me, thirty-four dollars a year. A new home can cost you a quarter of a million dollars. But if you're born again and on your way to heaven, hey, honey, that's priceless. That's priceless. <laughs> Lastly, this morning, real prosperity is mastering your money. Jesus said in Matthew 6, no one can serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. You will either master your money or your money will master you. I might get letters after this sermon. I might get emails. I've had people walk out this morning while I've been preaching in earlier services. But I want to remind you, this is not my word. I'm just a messenger. I'm delivering his message. And he deals over and over and over and over again on money because it can have such a hold in our life. The reason people get upset with me when I preach and teach about money is because I'm meddling with their God. And they don't, they don't like it. They don't like it. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. 
Jesus doesn't allow any middle ground. You can't be singing, He is Lord and has risen from the dead. He is Lord and not tithe. You're serving money. You're worshiping the God called money. Money can buy homes, cars, things, but it can't buy you a relationship with God. If money is your God, your master, it'll not only keep you greedy, it'll keep you from being generous with God and His people and His work around the world of reaching the lost. Money will send you to hell with the devil laughing the entire way. Listen! To what Paul said in 1 Timothy, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of what? Evil. For which some have strayed from the what? Faith. Here's another proof positive that the doctrine, the most damnable doctrine on the planet is once saved, always saved. It is simply not true. It is the deception that sends souls to hell. Paul hits it on the head here. You can stray away from the faith. You can't stray away from the faith if you haven't already been in the faith. And money can do it. Money can send you to hell because in their greediness they have pierced themselves with many, many sorrows. Do you see that there? Master your money before it masters you. If you'll follow God's prosperity plan, you'll enjoy real joy, real life now and forever. And the Lord, and the Lord, I said, and the Lord will welcome you on that day. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Would you stand with me this morning? I invite you. I invite you. I don't command you. As you stand, I invite you. I don't command you. Would you stretch out your hand? I want to invite you to take your hand and place it upon your heart. Is it beating? If it's not beating, we'll have the divine prayer of healing right now. <laughs> Can you feel it? What a marvelous organ God has placed within your body. You cannot guarantee one beat to the next. I don't want to be morbid, but one day, for once it's appointed, the Bible says, one day it will no longer beat, it will stop. That day, that date cannot be nullified, negotiated, or negated. It's appointed. Those beats that you feel within your chest are taking you one beat closer to heaven or to hell. For eternity is just a heartbeat away. Jesus said, What does it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lose his soul? It's the lousiest business transaction you can ever make. You might gain the trillions and trillions of dollars that this planet is worth, but your soul in comparison outweighs it all. In God's eyes, you are priceless. How about it? How about it? Isn't it time you said yes to Jesus? Isn't it about time if you'll put the last slide up. You live the blessed life. 
Only judgment day will reveal whether you lived by the devil's poverty plan or God's prosperity plan. Only eternity will reveal whether you live stressed or blessed. Father, I ask and pray right now as heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Come, 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 Holy Spirit. Rend the heavens. Come on down, Holy Spirit of God. And reveal your love to us, Lord Jesus. Wrap your arms round about us. And Lord, reveal to us that our souls are priceless. Priceless. And we're just a heartbeat away from eternity. His heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I'm prepared right now to pray a prayer, a prayer of salvation, a prayer that will make you right with God, a prayer that will give you a home in heaven, a prayer that will change you and rearrange you. If you would like to be included in this prayer right now, if you would like to know that you know that you're right with God, if you would want to guarantee that you have a home in heaven, if you have decided to follow Jesus with no turning back, and you would like to be included in this prayer. As heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one is looking around, lift up your hand right now. And I'll include you in this prayer. Your hand lifted up speaks of your faith. Yes, God bless you. I see that hand. Yes, on the balcony, I see that hand. Yes, sir, I see that hand. God bless you. Yes, sir, I see that hand. Four hands. Five hands, six hands, seven hands, eight hands. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Nine hands. God bless you. Amen. 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 I choose Jesus. I include myself in your prayer, Pastor. Let's pray then. Keep those hands lifted up. Everyone, pray this prayer out loud, especially you that have lifted up your hands. Own this prayer. Put your heart into it. Dear Jesus, I come to you right now. No defense, no excuse. I am a sinner. But Jesus, you're my Savior. Save me from my sins. I believe you died for me. You paid the price for me. You became poor so that I could become rich. You were forsaken that I might be accepted. And I believe you rose from the dead with resurrection life. I want that life, Jesus. A new life, a changed life. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing me, for cleansing me, for changing me. I thank you, Jesus, that I am saved. I receive it as I believe it. Amen. Precious Jesus. Precious Jesus. If you prayed that prayer, it's not by emotions, it's not by feeling, but by faith. According to the word of the Lord, you are born again. You are born again. You are born again.